Uh, hello and welcome back to another episode of Politics Relax Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the latest measures brought in by the government um, and basically just a roundup of what's been happening. Um, we've got a different host today, Lily. Uh, and we've also got Rajan and uh, Cameron and I'm Felix. Uh, yeah, so Lily, if you want to start us off. Okay, so I thought the best thing to start on would be talking about the, the newest uh, big measure brought in. So the tier system, so the three tiers, and right now London is in tier two. So does anyone have any opinions on this? Like, do you think it's too harsh or too lenient? Just mm. uh, Well, I think the tier system is not a good idea. I mean, uh, Boris Johnson's own advisors uh, said that it wasn't a good idea. That's what the reports from the media have been saying. Uh, I personally think a circuit breaker lockdown would do a lot better job um, than a tier system, and I just don't think local lockdowns will work. People don't take them seriously, I don't think. From what I've seen, like people aren't taking the lockdown seriously in their local areas because they're like, oh, I'm on the edge, so I might as well not do it, or my friend. Because they don't make sense, and it's too complicated, even still. They need to simplify the measures so that people don't have to turn it, tune in at 5 o'clock every evening to find out what the latest measures are in their local areas. It doesn't work. Okay, does anyone have any response to that? Because I personally think that the tier systems are not that bad. I think they're a better a step in the right direction because they're much clearer than previous measures. So, Cameron? Yeah, well, I think that the tier system that has been introduced is it makes logical sense in that different regions are experiencing different rates of infections and other, and certain regions are suffering from a rise of cases much quicker than others. Um, and and, and I, I, I disagree with Felix on the, the point about circuit breaker lockdown. I think any form of national lockdown would be devastating for businesses, devastating for our economy. I just think we cannot do it. And to be honest, I think, I think people have had enough of being told what to do. And, and I'm, people know I'm not, I'm not exactly a libertarian. I, I, I'm, you know, but I do believe that, that people's freedoms are being taken away to too far an extent now. And we need to step back and we need to look at the situation we're in. And we need to decide whether whether what we're doing, the course of action that we're taking, is necessarily the right course of action. Because in reality, this virus is going to be around until we get a vaccine, isn't it? And, and we've got to look at, not, uh, at other, message, other ideas and other measures that we could introduce besides the lockdown to make sure, to make sure that we're getting the proper balance correct between health, between the economy, between people's livelihoods, people's lives. And, uh, and, I, and I don't think we're doing that enough at the moment. Uh, I, I have to disagree because, look, the cases are rising. They're not going to stop rising. And if we look back in two weeks and we see that Wales and uh, Northern Ireland, and, uh, have, which have both got um, circuit breaker lockdowns, are doing in a lot better shape than us, the government will look back and be like, we made the wrong decision. And... I don't want to be called a uh, Captain Hindsight, which the Tories like to throw around quite a lot, which is a bit hilarious considering uh, their 18 U-turns. Um, but look, we need to get, we need a circuit breaker lockdown two weeks now and two weeks just before Christmas. It means that things can normalise again and it will give us more time. It gives us more time to act. 
and the tier system i just don't think it will work i do not think people will listen to the tier system so there are two things that uh, i'd like to say so firstly i think that what the police are currently looking at right now uh, there's obviously like a lot of confusion between everyone people are going out confused people but police officers that spoke to the home affairs select committee they're mostly focusing on clear breaches of the laws for example raves and massive group gatherings rather than finding of the rather than finding the confused public because obviously there's a lot of confusion but i think obviously the main thing and the main thing that people have to avoid and have to provide unity together to stop this virus is stay at home and do not attend any large gatherings that's what the police are looking at but i just like to put a question to the floor uh, anyone all of you, you um at your age what do you see how people how are people your age and older and younger respecting the lockdown rules um well i to be honest i looked at it and i was like well i've been to school with these people and if they have covid i probably have covid so why can i not go to their houses and why can they not come to mine it doesn't make sense because at the minute i was with my friends like last week so it doesn't it doesn't really make that much sense to be honest especially when we've just got one week off um but we're still allowed six people outside so i don't know I really, it's very hard to say, but from what I know, I think most people are sticking to the rules, but they're very skeptical, like, and they don't, I, like, speaking from my experience, I just don't think they make sense. How much respecting of social distancing do you get when you're gathering? Yeah, I mean, that is, um, especially in school, like, it's just not going to happen, is it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I see what you mean, especially in school, because everyone is absolutely just colluding together, colluding, uh, just getting absolutely together, just getting in a move on. I think we've got sort of similar situation in Dubai where I'm right now, but actually in school, social distancing is actually quite respected where I am. But obviously, if not in, if there's not in your case, and that's pretty sad, uh, and that's what's going to... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, for, from, from my point of view, from my societal observations, what I've noticed is I, I think that if these restrictions weren't here in place and, and they weren't being so clearly articulated in terms of the uh, punishments that you might get, the fines, if you don't follow them, I honestly think that people would be showing a lot less attention. Um, and, and just walking around, I, I, went, I went to a cafe today and people are you know, going up to each other, they're still having normal conversations, but they're, they're very careful, and they're saying, you know, well, I shouldn't really be saying this because it's illegal, but, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. And, and we, this is what I was, this links into what I was saying before, which was we've got to try and look at, at other methods, because although people are following it to an extent, they understand some of the regulations, they understand the punishments that come with them. We've also got to try and make sure that the rules are working for people and not against them. The next point I have on this is if um, just the whole topic surrounding like uh, Christmas and like a lot of people have concerns about that. So what do you think like we need to do to try and retain a degree of normality around Christmas? Because it's like um, a very important thing in a lot of people's lives in Britain. Okay, Felix. 
Well, you say it's a lot important to a lot of people's lives, but I'd rather be saving lives than people having Christmas celebrations. Like, well, I think it's obviously clear that we're going to have a very subpar Christmas, and we've got to kind of accept this already because we know that, that all these restrictions are going to be in place. You know, we're not going to be able to meet up with extended family or with friends. So what we've got to do is we've already got to try and plan for how we can still have a nice, happy Christmas, spending it with our, our close family um, and certain selected friends or, or groups. And, and we are, you know, we're the British people, we're the British nation. We've got through far worse than, than, a, than you know, a, a subpar Christmas. And, and I think we've just got to try and get through it. This is the approach to the whole pandemic, in my view, has got to be, we've just got to try and get through it, try and get through uh, until we get a vaccine. Just, just get through it, save as many lives as possible. And... Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it kind of came across the wrong way because this is like a very minor issue in the grand scheme of things. So then to move on, something that ties in quite closely is financially. So and what's happening in Manchester. So Felix, would you like to start? Oh yeah, um, sure. So um, we had the uh, financial statement from Rishi Sunak yesterday announcing uh, lots of new uh, financial measures for people in tier two and the different tier systems. Uh, but I found it very contradictory because uh, just days ago we had this incident with the Andy Burnham, the Manchester mayor, and they couldn't find an agreement. Um, and I thought it was actually disgusting from the government. They offered, so he wanted 80 million at the start, but then he said, okay, I'll take 55 million. The government said 50 million. Uh, he ne never said anything, and then they just brought in the measures and gave them 20 million, 30 million, sorry. Uh, it was actually uh, seven pounds uh, per person in Manchester, which is not enough money to keep like people's livelihoods afloat. It's, it's terrible from the government. Well, on Manchester, I think this has been pretty badly handled by both sides. And I'm going to attack Andy Burnham simply because he has completely politicised this. He's been acting for much of the time. For example, when he came out of the building and then someone shows him on his phone the, um, the, 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 20, the £30 million package that Manchester's been given, and then he pretends as though he didn't know and, oh, it's a massive disaster. He knew about that. He had been told about that hours before. And, and I think what we're seeing here is Andrew Burnham trying to raise his profile because he's had a few uh, pretty, pretty low years since he was Secretary of Health. Uh, over a decade ago, and I think um, actually what we've got to what, what we've got to do is to to we do have to make sure that local regions like Manchester are getting sufficient support. Um, and and I think to be honest, I I do believe that uh, the government have not done enough here. Uh, I think we should have given uh, Manchester far more support than what they have. But what we also have to recognise is that the government have put in place plenty of schemes now we, we we heard just uh yesterday about the adjustments to the job support scheme uh, big adjustments uh, the plan for jobs uh, including the self-employed grants and the business grants uh, and we're talking also about massive increases in in the capacity for universal credit and i think the support is there for, for the vulnerable people that need it um and it, it is important that we keep Manchester vibrant, uh, but 
But as I said at the start, it's not been handled great by both sides. I mean, Andy Burnham has, has been handling this very poorly by not really working with the government on this. That I, I, I must oppose. But I also would say I oppose, yeah, the government's kind of lack of support that they've provided to Manchester. Oh, come on. Like, he's not been working against the government. They offered... They offered 50 million, he asked for 55, it was 5 million pounds. And compared to what the government has spent on other things, they spent 75 million just on weather spoons. So, come on, 5 million pounds compared to what the government's been chucking around everywhere is nothing. It was ridiculous from the government. They're getting petty over, in the, scheme, in the grand scheme of things, not that much money. Well, as I said, I, I said I don't think the government has given enough support to Manchester here. And, and, and I think, therefore, actually, in fact, that it's been politicising from both sides because this is, um, you know, I think, I think the government here are trying to cripple Burnham, which is, you could say, justified, but, but in the process, they are trying to cripple Manchester, and I don't believe that's correct. Yesterday, um, Marcus Rashford's um, uh, child poverty scheme, which was a plan to make Sweden is free, um, was put forward to the government and 321 Conservative MPs voted against it, which means it won't be um, passed. So, Cameron, would you like to start to, to respond to this? But just before that, um, if you want to find out more about the child food poverty vote that happened um, just a few days ago, uh, then you can actually go to our website. It's a new thing we've uh, started. It's going to have lots of different articles and uh, all the links to our um, videos. It's a great place just to uh, find out more about politics. So if you're interested, there'll be a link in the description. Uh, now we can get back to the episode. Cool. So let's get past the opportunism of Labour, who are politicising this issue once again, I would say. Let's look at the real facts and figures. I'm going to tell you as it is, I'm going to tell you what you don't want to hear. 98% of children up and down this country are sufficiently provided for by their parents without government intervention. Yet under Labour's proposals yesterday for free meals and holidays, 93% of children in the UK would be eligible for, free, for these free lunches, which is incredibly inefficient and looking at the figures, a complete waste of government money, because less than 2% of those eligible children actually need these free lunches. So over 11 million children who are already well provided for would be eligible to receive free lunches. Hundreds of millions of pounds down the drain at a time when every penny counts. And so there's a colossal financial flaw in these proposals. Instead of these absurd proposals, this government has brought in a more efficient, targeted approach. Uh, we've given UK Council £63 million in total for emergency food and essential provision for the poorest and most vulnerable, which can be used for free school meals in the autumn half term. Alas, once again, Labour's absurd proposals have brought more attention away from this government's significant support. As I said, 63 million is a lot of money. Um, and uh, for, the most, for the poorest and the most vulnerable in society. And I'm glad that this opportunism of our astronomical magnitudes has been crossed uh, and that we, we can now proceed to to give this financial support to the people that need it the most okay felix would you like to respond to that oh come on when when every penny counts 75 million pounds to uh weather spoons to save weather spoons come on you're spending more on weather spoons than hungry children 
but people are jumping from paycheck to, pay, to paycheck to paycheck. And if they don't get that next next paycheck, maybe more kids will be going hungry. But because of this government, they don't want to support that. They don't want to support feeding hungry children. How? That is another. That is dis it's absolutely disgusting. Well, 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 no, because that's not correct. Because as I said, we have the government has provided the sixty-three million pounds in total for emergency food and essential provision up and down the country for the poorest and most vulnerable, including poor and vulnerable children. This is more targeted than the the, the measure of giving you know ninety ninety-three percent of children in the UK free lunches, even though only two percent would need it. This is more targeted. This is, this is ensuring that we're spending our money wisely, that we are, you know, we're, we're, we're not giving too much money away and for, to people who do not need it. And we're targeting it specifically to the poorest and most vulnerable. And the poorest and most vulnerable are those that are getting most out of it, therefore. Nevertheless, whatever the statistics are, I mean, I personally got a statistic of under £20 million to end child food poverty. And it doesn't matter how many children, how, how, how many children are paying for, we still have to provide for the 1.4 million disadvantaged children in England. And what we were proposing is seven, it was a 15 pound a week in food vouchers. And even if it was 20, 20 million pounds to pay for it, even if it was Cameron's reported statistic of 63 million pounds, it doesn't matter because we had a more than 12 billion pound fee for a test and trace system that fa failed, a £500 million scheme for Eat Out to help out, Eat Out to help out for the restaurants, right? so we can support our adults and we can support our wealthy adults, but we can't support our disadvantaged children, so much so that we, had to get, we have to get so many local businesses, local restaurants, local food banks, £16 million donated to the New Newcastle Food Bank from... Uh, even though we're in a time of crisis, we are still having subsidised food in Parliament with over 80, when three million pounds go to MPs, they get a 25 pound a day allowance for food. We can't give our 1.4 million disadvantaged children 15 pounds. We spend three million pounds on MPs who get a salary of 81,000 and we can't support our disadvantaged children. Right, let me jump in here, right, because the 63 million from the government, what is the evidence that that is not enough? What is the evidence that that will not cover all of the vulnerable and poor people in the country? There is no, there is no evidence, there is no evidence because it hasn't been put into place yet, okay? There's also no evidence that people are worse off now in terms of financially. There is little evidence that there is well, there's, there's more support for people than ever before in this country's history waiting for people. The JSS, Universal Credit, the grants, you know, everything that the, this government has put in in the last few months. I believe it is sufficient, frankly. I believe it is sufficient for people who are struggling. I'm not someone who's struggling, right? No one here is, is someone who's struggling, I believe. But, but I believe that this isn't this this is going to be enough support for people that need it, for the poorest and vulnerable. And if you think not, there is no evidence for you to back that up with because these schemes have not been in place long enough for you to be able to say that. You know, okay, the, can I? Yeah, okay, sure. Um, 
Thank you. Um, so I, why are we going to wait for a study to go out when there could be kids hungry? Why don't we just skip that risk? Skip people being hungry for three months while we go and send like, while we go on a study to find out if it's enough. We don't have that time. If there are hungry children, that's more important than whether that's enough money. I don't care if you're spending a bit more money. If there aren't children going hungry, it's better than nothing. How much were Labour proposing to spend? With, this, with these proposals yesterday? Uh, the, 120 million. 120 million? You spent, 75 million. You spent 75 million pounds on, bloody, um, on a pub, on a pub, a chain of pubs. 75 million on a chain of pubs that we won't feed like hungry children. We spent millions on um, the Eat Out to Help Out scheme. It's ridiculous. Why are the Tories not helping out poor people? But I go back to the point once again: 120 million pounds, and that is being spread up, spread across 93% of the UK's children because 93% are eligible for free school meals. How is how is that amount being given to so many people a good idea? Instead of spending 69 million, a smaller amount, but targeting it to the two percent that actually need it. How is there anything bad about that? How is there anything better about spending lots of excess money? I mean, I, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me how people can say that, we, that spending, you know, £200 million or so on, on a larger amount of people, but on, on 93% of Britain's children, is a better use of money than spending £69 million, £63 million, sorry, only 2% of British children that actually need it. I mean, it's, it's absurd to me, to be honest. And, and I think this comes back, it comes right back to the point about politics, okay? And this is the, once again, Labour have pulled this out of the hat and said, oh yeah, we're going to support this. But in fact, if you look at the detail, this government has already done more to support the 2% than Labour will ever do. Wasn't your um, 2% statistic um, no, no, you, you know, right now your statistics, weren't they not based on that universal credit is only applicable to uh, two children only? That, that's what the 62 million is for, the only two children per family. Is that right? The, the, the 63, the 63. Is it right or not? It's an easy question. Yes or no? Well, I'm not really, I'm not really comprehending, to be honest, because I think the point is very oh simple. It's based off the maths, and it's based off the maths fundamentally. And if you do the maths, what you'll work out is that two percent of the UK's twelve million children are actually in dire need of help, and that this government has spent sixty-three million pounds and put it directly towards those two percent, rather than you know two hundred or so million pounds and put it towards ninety-three percent of the UK's population, 91% uh, of which don't need that money. But you can't, you can't judge whether, whether people need that money or not because parents are struggling, parents don't have jobs right now. It, it depends of the, of, of the effectiveness of the new financial package as well. But it's not just disadvantaged children like, that, are, that also may be facing poverty and hunger. It's not just statistics the statistics of it, because there's new statistics of it that haven't been calculated yet, of the millions of children that have lost parents' salaries and lost the right to eat. 
exactly. I mean, uh, let's end it there. Um, that, were, that got quite heated at the end, but uh, another um, great episode. So thanks for everyone for being here. Uh, thank you for listening. This has been Politics Relaxed Podcast. We'll see you later.